0: Welcome back to the Iron size Podcast. In this episode, I sat down with Ryan and Cece. We're talking about some of the new trends or fads and popular conversation with regard to training to or near failure and how that's the most optimal way to train to build muscle. Not new news, but some of the things that are being said or being kind of going across the airwaves caused a little conversation around here. And so we stepped that conversation up in here about some of the holes that we see in those conversations, some of the downfalls, but also some ways to leverage that very concept. Also in this episode, you're going to hear us talk about our two programs that are online. We'll call them our self-guided programs. That's RDF Strong and RDF Max. If you go to rdftrainonline.com, you can read about our online programs and check out kind of some of the details there. But when you get there, what you're going to find out is RDF Strong is our most popular strength and muscle building program, which has a lot to do with today's topic. And it's a four-month program. It goes through building some skill, then building some muscle and strength and capacity. It's all periodized and it's all there for you in, some templates as well as some videos, instructional videos. You have access to the team. And uh, if you go to rdfstrong.com and you use the code STRONG20, you're going to get 20% off. You'll also hear us talk about MAX. That's our most popular strength, power, and athleticism program in terms of being a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit more explosive on the court, the mat, wherever you are in life. If you go to rdfmax.com, You can find out a little bit more about that, similar to Strong, but I would call it like the graduate or level two program to to the Strong program. If you go to rdfmax.com and you use code STRONG20, which is 20% off there. Again, that's rdftrainonline.com, rdftrainonline.com. Welcome to Iron Sight's. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation, and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Yeah, fitness trends, right? There's a There's always
1: something.
0: God. It's tough to keep up. I mean, I I I mean, I lose track super, super easy on this stuff. Um, but somebody's always reminding me or sending me something, go, hey, what do you think about that? Thank God for that, because I don't have the time to try and keep up. And then it's interesting. Sometimes I'll get it like right at the beginning and I go, Oh, this is weird. And then and then all of a sudden, like a couple of weeks later it starts just showing up in my feed or other people. all of a sudden everybody's seemingly talking about it. And then we are like, I feel compelled at that point, like, okay, we should probably address this because it's kind of becoming a popular topic. I'm sure people have questions and if we can provide direction. And I like to get into those discussions in here because oftentimes I learn stuff from you guys. You know, we're doing that to try to keep my finger on the pulse. So there's a few that are going on right now. I want to talk about this business of training to failure. Uh, rep ranges, doesn't matter how many reps and such you do. It's more about just training to failure. I think it's led to some, I was certainly confused by it. I didn't really get it. I know there's been a couple of studies out there, but I think they're very vague. And a couple might even be, a couple I think is actually being generous. It's not very many at all uh, that that have caused like this stir for whatever reason. Now everybody's all fired up and wound up about it and it's all over the interwebs. What, What can you tell us, Ryan? I mean, you're more... You're more on top of this stuff than I am.
2: Well, I think there's people running a lot with, there's been a couple studies that show, you know, you can build muscle with any rep range from five up to upwards to 30, as long as you're training close to failure within that two to three reps in reserve or, or at failure. So I think people are taking a few studies, um, which people love to do, and changing their whole training protocols, their whole training splits, their whole training, um, and especially if they feel they're an evidence-based coach or an optimal coach. They're doing this with all their clients. <laughs> Everyone's just training to almost cl- close to failure in every single block of their training. So I'm seeing that a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, Where's this coming from? Like, so I see the influencer thing is um, is interesting to me on the fitness side of things. It goes through like cycles, mm-hmm. you know, and you see things pop in and pop out. But so many kids getting into young guys, you know, specifically but this this female end of it too. I just think for whatever reason, when I'm looking at it, I see more males into it than others, other males with regard to the workout side, specific to f- physique training. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. If I see the females doing it, all I see is their ass and their tits. <laughs> it's, and I'm like, dislike or uninterested, mm-hmm. you know? So like, I don't, I don't need to see that stuff. These kids coming, to, it's fucking porn in the gym. Yeah, It's really it sucks. Like I'm just over it. it doesn't, yeah. it's, it's weird to me. Like it's always been part of it. Uh, you know, the aesthetics piece. I mean, let's be honest, you know, the female form is, is beautiful. And I don't think there's a, there's a uh, straight man out there. That doesn't like looking at that stuff, but I don't need to see it coming across. Like in yeah. the gym, there's a time and a place for everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this whole other aspect that we don't need to get into from a cultural perspective on kind of what's going on with, you know, guys are creepy in the gym. I'm like, there's nothing creepier than seeing a chick pull with her Yeah. With her shorts pulled up her ass and her boobs hanging out, like filming herself in the gym. Like, this is crazy. Like what the, anyhow, my point to
1: work out.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. My, my my point of that, of saying that is, is like the, the young dudes that Mm -hmm. are all over the internet right now and have like some pretty tremendous physiques for their age. Uh, I, I have to, you know, I'm being honest. I'm impressed by it. Uh, but I'm also a little concerned by it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll give you an example. Like I, it was in the, it was in the midnight or sorry, late nineties, it was 97, maybe 98, 99. I went to the Mr. Olympia show. Uh, It was in Las Vegas. It was at the Mandalay Bay, you know, casino resort thing was huge. Uh, The likes of Flex Wheeler, um, Ronnie Coleman, Gosh, who else was there? Like, Kevin Lavrone was in that show okay. I mean, back in the day. I believe it was the, the man, I, there's just a ton of people in the show. Like, I was mm-hmm. following that thing pretty good. But we were walking through the expo, and this is what I wanted to say about that. Um, Jay Cutler was starting to come onto the scene. Okay, He'd been on the scene for a little while, but he was really starting to come on the scene and starting to compete. I believe he was even in the show. He wasn't going to win, but he'd made it to the stage. Obviously, he was an IFBB, you know... Up and coming dude, and we all know what Jay Cutler did, you know, down later in his life. But he couldn't have been more than about twenty two, twenty two years old at this point. And at that point, I was like twenty six, twenty seven years old. So I had a couple of years on him. I remember standing next to him, looking at him, going, "What in the fuck is going on? How does a twenty two year old look like this? You know, you know when there was there's obvious stuff mm-hmm. that goes into that. Um, you know, into that. It's part, of, it's part of the lifestyle. It's part of the thing. That wasn't my point though. Even with all that, you know, even with the, with the PEDs uh, and whatever they knew about nutrition and, and, and training, I, I was, he was just massive. Yeah. And there's a couple of the guys out there. You guys know this dude, Sam Sulik? <laughs> yes. That's his last name, right? Sam, S- Sam Sol-
2: Sulik? S- Sulik? Sulik? I don't know. I'm yeah, I I know the bodybuilding
1: totally,
0: thing. I know. <laughs> totally uh, you know, I'm totally not aware of it. Anybody listening to the show that kind of follows that knows exactly. I follow more
1: Mm -hmm. more uh, performance athletes versus bodybuilders back in the day. Yeah. That was my realm.
2: Totally makes sense. Yeah, this guy is blown up right now. This is a current guy blown up. How how old is he? I think he's like 21, 20, 21. What's his name? Sam Sam Sulik. Sulik. Yeah, I just saw him honestly not that long ago. Like a few months ago, I didn't hear about him.
0: I mean, the whole shtick is the dude is massive. Oh, he's huge. huge. Yeah and uh just spends his whole day vlogging basically mm-hmm. puts it on the internet sure. shows
2: his workouts yeah yeah right
1: hmm. look at that kid damn
2: and i think he was actually like a diver before no, like, Not a long ago no he's a diver like a like, like lesson diving, like, diving boards uh, wow. the of that. Yeah. yeah Yeah. <laughs> wild right not that long ago too
0: i mean and so the he I means the guys just full of some stuff to say mm-hmm. right as he's working out and is the results Show for themselves, um, you know, kind of what he's doing. Kid works out hard. I mean, he's and he's constantly working out and constantly eating. You yeah, vlogs is his grocery store trips to buying ice cream and cakes and pies and whatever it takes to get the get the calories in.
1: Yeah. from swimmer, he was a swimmer. Is that okay. what it was? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, you know what surprises me, or you know what doesn't surprise me. Sorry, but you know what, I guess just comes up for me here is like people are are looking at it going, you know, the guy's eating what you know could be you know, called shit, you know, whatever, if, if you wanted to. But again, his goal is to put on mass Mm -hmm. and because of the things that he's doing from a workout, maybe nutrition, maybe PED perspective, he does maintain a fairly low body fat percentage. Dude's not fat. He's not like a long time ago. Guys used to get really over fat during the off season and then cut this guy's staying pretty, pretty lean. All of those things, you know, there was a, there was a time and I want to say it's probably maybe close to 15 years ago now, you may remember these guys. Remember the whole if it fits your macros, guys? Remember those dudes? Mm -hmm. They're just like that guy. It was, it doesn't matter what you eat, as long as, you know, you could be eating Pop-Tarts, whipped cream, and M&Ms. As long as the macros worked out at the end, you could stay lean and put on muscle. Now, of course, they weren't talking about the PEDs they were doing. These were a bunch of, for lack of a better term, a bunch of fraternity kids Mm -hmm. that were very lean, you know, and seemingly looked very fit because they, they were, they're, they're chasing this physique lifestyle. Um, and I don't want really to get too far out into the rabbit hole on this, but yeah, that was really popular for a while. And people, you know, it just create a, this huge buzz about see, like you can eat. It's not about the quality of your food. It really is about the numbers at the end of the day and the tracking and you know, everything was going into an app and they were literally eating like they were, that was the whole thing is they would show themselves their shirts off and then you know they're at the frozen yogurt store or the ice cream shop or whatever just eating shit with gummy bears and whipped cream or whatever else on top cuz it fit into the macro you know um profile at the end of the day and that went on for a couple i want to say a good couple years and then they just disappeared <laughs> like it just disappeared and there was one of those guys that popped up later who ultimately turned out really unhealthy um i don't know what happened to the rest of the guys but he you know, all the gains, so to speak, were gone. He just looked like shit. He'd been running his his body into the ground in a lot of different ways. Um, the point of that was is the trend, right? And how that picked up. And man, everybody was like, "Yeah, I can eat ice cream," and that's where the fucking gummy bears showed up. Yeah. So the the, the pre workout gummy bears it showed up during that time.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be honest. When I started lifting near that time, I was I was doing it. Uh, you know, I <laughs> I was out on the floor. I'd be, you know, I'd be hitting a heavy set of deadlifts, and in between sets, I'm eating eating gummy bears and sour patch kids and <laughs> all the all this stuff. I, I used yeah. to bring sometimes. I used to bring in a box of cereal and eat like a, just dry cereal out of there because I was part of that. I I had no, I knew no better. So
0: yeah I think so you're at the beginning of your journey and so mm-hmm. going back to these young men they're at the beginning of their journey they're having results and they're probably going to because their testosterone whether it's being enhanced or not is at the highest it's ever going to be yep. right their body is very ready to accept whatever adaptations they're being yeah,
1: the stimulated
0: stimulated yeah. with right in the, in the gym I mean we were all like that if we had all started working out like with the knowledge that maybe we have now when we were 18 19 years old we'd be probably in much different places mm-hmm. um I had pretty good knowledge, but it was all about just lifting heavy shit, yeah. right? And that caught up with me, you know, o- over time. But I was ahead of the game in some po- po- parts of my life, but too far ahead of the game in others in terms of joint health and mm-hmm. shit like that. But this comes all the way back to this training to failure piece and how it's influencing things. So we see a couple studies come up that say reps don't matter, sets don't matter. As long as you're training towards or ne- or at or near failure, yes. you're going to you're going to grow muscle Mm -hmm. and it's all coming out of the bodybuilding camp. It's all, it's all coming out of the bodybuilding camp. I don't see like going back to your performance athlete coaches talking too much about this right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't see, you know, the, you know, some of the guys that work with the Niners here in town that are pretty well known. We're, we're, We're living in San Jose or Santa Clara County or our friend, Mike Potenza, who's the head strength conditioning coach up at, the Golden State Warriors, who was here at the Sharks for forever, calling me up and going, "Hey, guess what? We just did. We just changed our entire training protocol because of this new study that came out." To your to your point, so let's talk about like where are the missing pieces or where are the holes in this whole thing, and you know what are the takeaways uh, from 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 these studies or these things that are happening right now? What are the what are the pros and the cons? I mean, where do you want to start with that?
2: I mean, I think the first point I want to make is kind of what you just mentioned is a lot of this lens is coming from the lens of what is maximal hypertrophy growth or muscle? What is going to build me the most muscle? Which at the end of the day, what's going to, um, you know, come up on the feed the most? The people that look good, the people that we always say Mm -hmm. like look good naked, right? The people that Mm -hmm. look good, they got the six pack abs, the big pecs, big biceps, all that stuff. And so this training idea, this is from the lens of purely what's going to build the most muscle hypertrophy. Um, and that's a lot what, especially the younger generation trains. That's the style they train as. That's how, um, that's what their splits look like. That's what their training looks like. That's who they're looking for for the information. When really in reality, like, yes, who doesn't want to build more muscle? I want to build more muscle. You, you look better. You feel better. But a lot of the nuance there is, I, I can think for myself when I trained that style for a long time, and then I tried to go play basketball, and that was my, one of my first loves was playing basketball, and I felt like shit. I couldn't move. I had no... Um, dynamic control of my body or mobility or anything, right? So I think there's a, the first thing is there's a lot of nuance of that's not the only goal that everyone should have when they're <laughs> training in the gym. is just how can I build the most muscle possible?
0: Yeah, I think that's a huge point. Like, it, muscle's important. Right. And it should be part of the plan, but doesn't, it's not all of the plan. Yeah. How are we to find? So what is the goal? And more importantly, why? Yes. Right. I'm building this muscle as a means to stand on stage in board shorts or a bikini. Yeah. And, and, you know, be judged based on how much muscle I have in my frame. Totally different goal than yes. I need to be strong in order to, uh, uh sorry present and compete in an event like i don't know a triathlon mm-hmm. uh the tactical games the yes. crossfit games you know, so obviously it's it's very very different but we take these things and we run with them mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's become you know doctrine you know it literally overnight that this is what we have to do and a guy like you know we were just talking about the Sam Sula cat uh, no disrespect i think yeah. it's great but if if he jumps on that train and says, this is the best way to train, guess what all those kids are doing? They're all doing the same thing. Yes. We'll see where it ends up. But that, I, I think it kind of comes back to like, how do we define fitness? Mm-hmm. You know, what are what are the goals that, that we have? You know, and where does building muscle fit into that goal? And how does it fit into that goal? Specifically within your training program, mm-hmm. you know, because there may be periods of time where I am focused more on hypertrophy. There should be. Period, there should be a period of time where I maybe focus more there, then it's more strength, then it's more capacity, then it's more hypertrophy, then it's more strength, then it's more, uh, excuse me, capacity. We may be cycling through these things. The power component maybe shows up there. There's an endur- muscular endurance, cardiovascular endurance component that shows up there. And that strength component maybe moves further down the priority list, depending on where we are. But If we're cycling through all the time, all so those different domains of fitness, then this little thing we're talking about, this little trend we're talking about right now, doesn't really fit in so great. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, if your goal is just purely bodybuilding, 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 and you're not cycling your programming, and it's purely hypertrophy, hypertrophy, hypertrophy all the time, um, you're, you're, I think you're going to run out of gas at some point anyways. And you're going to, when I say gas, I just mean you're going to find yourself limited. Yeah,
1: there's just going to be a diminishing of return for yeah. the effort that you're putting out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's another, I mean, that's another thing that I, I sort of look at here. But, you know, like, what what are they talking about here when they're talking about like, look, just train to failure or at near failure and you're going to build muscle. Is this a new concept?
2: No, it's not a new concept. But again, it's like most things. When we finally find a study that starts to support something, even if it's not the um, the meta analysis of the global body of work, it's just a couple studies that support it. People run with it. But you know, people have been training to drop sets and failure, and, you know, crazy amount of fatigue for a long time. Which again is clo- is different than training close to failure. Right? There is nuance it, but, yeah, there. Yeah.
0: So but. let's talk about this. It sounds like semantics. What do you? Yes. Mean? What
2: do you mean? So I, I mean, you know, the 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 person who's in support of this would say that they are very aware of what their failure feels like and they're getting, they're dipping their toes close to it, but they're not actually going to it. Which I think they, you know, they could argue that some of the issues that come with training to failure, they're trying to avoid. But I would argue um, one of the biggest things is what does your failure actually feel like? What does that even mean? I even just saw a study that people, even with RPE, even more experienced lifters still miscalculate their actual RPE when they're when they're actually um, tracking like meters per second on, on the bar and what their actual performance is diminishing, what they feel their RPE is, or how many reps they feel they have in reserve, it doesn't actually improve that much, even with experience. So if you're saying like, "Oh, I, I know I could have done this for 12 reps, so I'm going to stop just shy of that for you know for 10 reps," are you is that really what you could have done? You already you made your up your failure? mind at exactly. a time. Exactly. Yeah. So. And, you know, and again, there's always, what's the nuance of this? Because there's people running in all different directions with this data. People find a body of data, they don't know how to interpret it, and then they run different directions. So I think one of the issues is people saying that there's no, there's not a whole lot of um, reasoning for tracking and progressive overload and these um, progressive plans where you're actually having goals of rep ranges as long as you're training close to failure. But again, what does that look like week to week? How does that actually feel? Do you actually have a good understanding of that? What about these other physiological factors of like, okay, maybe that failure last week, you weren't tracking that, but you had shitty sleep last night. How's that going to affect you training to failure? How is you training to failure or close to failure today going to affect your CNS and your output for the rest of the week? How's it going to affect your other training days? So I think there's all this nuance that you can't just run with this like simple training um, technique and that Dictates everything. The,
1: a thousand percent. Those are all really great points. So.
0: Yeah, it's two things could pop up for me. First, I think it's really myopic. Secondly, I think it's very vague. Mm-hmm. We 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 haven't we haven't really identified anything in terms of like what's working and what do we know works versus doesn't work specifically for us, right? So what we know that training to or near failure builds muscle and strength. This is not a new concept. So th- again, the whole thing around. You know, it's not about reps and sets. Well, it is if you're trying to stay organized and understand what add or nor f- near failure actually means for you mm-hmm. in the context of whatever the modality workout period, you know, period within your programming is. And that's that's the important piece to understand here because whether it was 12 reps with, a, with two RIR, two, two reps in reserve, mm-hmm. or it's 12 reps, you know, with an RPE 85%, right you have to know what that is yes and the only way to know if you're actually hitting that or not is to go to failure mm-hmm. right you have to go to failure to to understand what that is so if you're just going you know about your day walking and like i think i was near failure like it got hard what is hard how do you measure that? And how have you measured that over time to understand what really hard is against all these other maybe subjective things that you're, you're, you're talking about there with regard to, you know, sleep, nutrition, fatigue, recovery, the, you know, the fitness to fatigue model. Um, you know, when we start to locate that, that minimum effective dose, mm-hmm. this goes back to kind of what you were saying before. Oh, but it's backed by science and this is how to do it, quote unquote, optimally as a bodybuilder.
2: Yeah.
0: I, that, that. That terminology, just what the fuck does that even mean? Like, I don't, I don't even know what that means. I would like to think that any coach that is training in the realm of human performance at all has some type of scientific background or basis for the things that they're doing. I also understand there's some anecdotal stuff there, which I totally respect and appreciate. Uh, But like optimal just means that you understand what's best for your client or yourself under the current circumstances, given the current demands and the current goals, like and understand that at a very, like a high level of awareness of all yeah. of that stuff. And what you, I think what this comes back to is people that don't have a very good level of awareness anyway, are jumping on board with these, with these fads. And so this thing is going to run rampant for a while. It's going to go for a while. There's going to be a lot of posts. There's going to be a lot of people out there jumping on this train but if I'm sitting here poking holes in it, we've already talked about some of them. What some of which are, first off, this isn't this is a new concept. Two, you were talking about the R, the whole RPE scale, mm-hmm. and we can look at like RIR versus RPE, right? And the challenges with that, and understanding what that really means. Like, how do you know your RPE was an eight on a scale of one to ten um, if you waited till the end of the workout to? Sorry. Let me be more specific. Let's say you're inside your first five sets of the day for whatever mm-hmm. your workout looks like. And let's say you started under the bar on the squat rack or whatever. And you got to, you know, and you have this whole leg workout, you know, planned in front of you. You get to set number, you know, again, well, let's say you're doing like a five by five, right? And you're you're working, you're supposed to be working at an RPE of eight, you know, or seven, mm-hmm. or whatever the hell, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. And you get to set number three, right? And you go, man, that was, that was, I think I'm right about that, whatever my prescribed RPE is for, for today and seven. And then you get to set number four and you're like, oh, that was, that was a little easier. I just did the same, my five. Yeah. And I kind of felt more like, still looks like a seven, maybe a six-ish. Maybe it's not as much. And then I get to set number five and the weight still feels a little bit like, you're you're basically trying to guess, you know, kind of where you're at versus, and it, my, my point of this, I guess, talking about this is like RPR, RPE to RIR and the reps in reserve. If I get into that bar and I'm doing, let's say you're going to do a set of 10 with two reps in reserve, right? Or set 10 to 12 with two reps in reserve. So you're getting somewhere in this zone, right? And maybe it's, maybe it's nine, you know, maybe it's eight, maybe it's 10 inside your rep. You need to be getting around 10 to 12 repetitions. That's real time measurement. Yeah. Because as I go through my sets and I keep getting underneath that bar and I have a high level of awareness, then I'm I'm dropping into on set number three. And on the last set I did nine, right? And I guess that to be two reps in reserve. If I get to nine again, then I was wrong on the first time yes, around. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Right. And then I I was I was nine I was wrong on the first time around and I should be hitting more like eight. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I'm not hitting eight, then that means I'm not working at if you start to try to calculate that across to your RPE, yeah. I'm not working at that level. Yes. So again, I think one's real time versus one is like post, you know, workout evaluation, and I think people get confused there. But this comes back to you got to know what failure is. Like, what is failure for you? Yeah, well, and that's
1: where the tracking comes in.
0: Yes, as well.
2: Exactly. So, and I had made a post about this. Um, it feels like maybe a couple months ago, but the difference between RPE and PRE. So, RPE is rate of perceived exertion. So, that's very subjective. That's how the weight feels. But um, PRE is perceived rate of exertion. What doesn't feel that different, but It's more, it's objective. It's more based on data. You know, you can use, there's apps and different devices Mm -hmm. that track the actual meters per second of the bar. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can get it from your coach or someone watching the lift. How does the bar look appear? It's moving, um, speed, how your fatigue look. Because RPE is so, which is again, just directly tied to RIR, which is tied into training close to failure, is so subjective. And so, there's so many factors that go into it. Are you stressed at work? Are Mm -hmm. you... Are you um, in a state where you're feeling generally kind of fatigued and maybe you're just not about that training session that day versus actually, you know, it's going to lie to you and actually you can actually do more. You can actually load it up more. You can actually, um, you know, train to a higher degree, but sometimes that gets lost when you're just trying to go, oh, is this close to failure? Is this close to that? And that's where tracking, you're tracking progressively that's where I think that needs to be tied in with RPE and RIR and training to failure because then you can know there is some actual data supporting progression and calculations and things like that. And it should be a combination of both. a you nuance know between both.
0: 100%. So. The, smart, the smart athlete and the smart coach are tracking other things too. Again, like that subjective data, you know, mm-hmm. like sleep, nutrition is also, could be objective, but also subjective. Kind of how you're looking at that. All those things go into it because they're all going to play into... What is failure and what isn't failure? They all, everything matters. So, yeah, I, other holes that come into this are if that's all you're focused on all the time. What are you leaving out of the mix in terms of maybe a when I sit when I look at like fitness, total fitness mm-hmm. instead of just hypertrophy? What other things do you leave off the table if you're just thinking you know train at or near failure all the time? How does that impact the other parts of your 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 training? program throughout the week, the month, the day, if you're doing double days, or if you've got different, you know, if you're trying to train different modalities, say a run and a lift, mm-hmm. or let's say you're a, let's say you're in the field, you're like a, a first responder, maybe a law enforcement officer. How does training like that impact you? Like if you just go in and you just exhausted yourself to failure at the 8am workout before your shift starts at nine.
1: Bueno.
0: Yeah. And then you get into a foot chase at 1030, Mm -hmm. like what have you done in terms of taking away from your actual ability to perform and where is failure? How are you rating failure now?
1: Yeah, when, it could be a life or death. Situation.
0: When your buddies are running past you, chasing the guy, or you can't keep up, or something worse happens, you know. But you know, how are you rating the fail? your at your your failure there. I think those are things that people don't, just don't take into account. I mean,
2: I mean, I think we just saw. I think it was David. I always can't say his last. Skolnick. Did they say his last name. Skolnick. Skolnick. Yeah. All right. Skolnick. Yeah. He just made a post about um the, what you guys talked on the podcast when he was on about training should improve. Your day to day. Every aspect. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I used to train, because again, I used to train this style and I would be sore. I was sore every week, all the time. I was progressing, all these different things, but I was sore. I couldn't, I couldn't do day-to-day tasks, let alone go play basketball, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and it should your training, yes, you need to progress, you need to um have, you need to work hard. But you still want to be able to go do the activity you like after your workout. It shouldn't be taking away from that.
0: Yeah, I think that's defining what progression is. If if the progression is purely muscle hypertrophy Mm -hmm. and nothing else in life matters, well then go do that, Yes. right? If that's that's what it is, but that's not most humans, and I don't think it's most people listening to the show. They have shit to do. Mm-hmm. They have other things they like to do, yeah. right? They have responsibilities and liabilities outside of the gym or just putting on muscle. So the parts that you cut out are muscular. Did we cover this already? Yeah, like, not. Yeah, muscular endurance. <laughs> muscular endurance. Power, yeah. Like that, yeah. Strength, mobility. power, mobility, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, cardiovascular endurance, uh, complete training to failure all of the time like in one of those, in in one of those avenues is going to take away from those other things somehow. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it works. So how do you balance that? And I think, again, it's how we, how are we defining, you know, fitness. It's the 600 pound deadlift. That's fitness. Okay. Uh, It's the 10K. You know, the person that can run the 10K the fastest. You know, it's the, you know, how many pull-ups can you do, right? It's how much do you bench press. It, they're all weird ways, Mm -hmm. right, of doing, doing that. So, go back to the optimal bodybuilding coach or the optimal coach like and uh, uh, a per human performance coach is trying to train somebody to be an you know an optimal human is going to understand all of those aspects and how to put them together again if your goal is solely to step on stage and or put on as much muscle as you possibly can for whatever reasons those are training to failure is never going to go away mm-hmm. that's always going to be a thing but there is a balance that comes in here and again jumping on this tra- trend of well, now I'm just gonna go into the gym and get a couple warm-up sets and I'm just gonna, you know, I'm training. it's chest and arms day or whatever, chest and tries, and I have no organization to it other than I'm gonna pick up weight and go to failure, whether that's 30 reps or five reps. Mm-hmm. I'm getting at or near failure. I should expect the same result.
2: Wrong. Yes. You're not gonna get the same result. Well, and I think again, there there's takes the nuance of like. One, it's negating what do other attributes of fitness to those train. And then two, your ability to get close to failure, which we've already talked about. But if you, yes, maybe you can build muscle with doing sets of five. But um, uh, one of the big keys that we're trying to get with that is you're also developing strength. So if your goal is to develop strength in addition to that, you can't do sets of 20, even if there's data to show you can build muscle at that. You have to do sets of three to five, one to five, right? You have to load, mm-hmm. lift some mm-hmm. heavy shit, right? You have to get stronger to get bigger. Exactly. You have to.
0: Yes. doesn't necessarily work exactly the same with the ratio going the other way. You can mm-hmm. get stronger without getting bigger. Um, and I think that's where you're going with this. And I, I just want to pause in the middle of that and go, just so people understand where we're going with this. Like, If you intend on getting bigger, you have to get stronger. Training strength is a prerequisite to getting bigger.
2: Yes, exactly. And I think on the other side of the spectrum is there's people, again, that rep ranges don't matter. You're training close to failure. Um, you know, all the whole rep ranges we are given for domains of fitness is kind of bullshit. Like, I think a lot of people are t- are taking it to that. But, hey, if you want to train, if you need to train muscular endurance, that's also an attribute of fitness. So, you need to train higher rep ranges if you want to be able to, I don't know, cycle up the hill that you need to have more capacity, capacity. To, Right? More capacity, more ability to deal with metabolic stress and these other factors outside of just do you have a bigger muscle or not. There's more nuance there. So.
0: Yeah, I think so as you started getting into that particular end of it with regard to like, what else am I, am I trying to train or what else am I trying to get out of it? Mm -hmm. When training at those lower rep ranges to failure, you're putting higher demands on your body in a couple of different ways. There's going to be a couple of prerequisites to that in my mind. One is skill. You have to, you're going to have to. Yeah, I mean that bench press is a skill, right? The deadlift is a skill. The squat is a skill. You're going to have to be really good at those things. And if you're not good at those things, again, jumping on this trend going, oh, well, I'll just go to add or near failure. That's one of the upsides to understanding what rir is mm-hmm. right so that where is rir rir isn't going into where i collapse to the ground right yes. again going back to my 8 to 12 rep range uh, or 10 to 12 rep range example a little while ago it's going to where i can't perform the movement efficiently or effectively any longer and within that it means maintaining mechanics you know mm-hmm. proper mechanics uh tempos um uh sp- speed if Creating you want to kind of look yeah the body, Cre- all of yeah. the th- yes all of these things right. right so that is that is also skill and you are fatiguing at different levels in your energy system s- yeah
2: like plural <laughs>
0: Systems. S- yeah. through <laughs> through that process right and so muscular endurance is important mm-hmm. right uh neuromuscular uh fatigue is a thing when we start to get into like what is the nervous system doing how is it responding to you know, what you're, what you're putting it through right now. What is the cardiovascular system doing in terms of helping you to replenish oxygen, blood, fluid, uh, take out waste products, bring in, you know, nutrients during those things. And so to boil it all down to just go towards failure, doesn't make a lot of sense when we're thinking about this.
2: Well, and I think, you know, again, if you're looking at this as, even if you're a young high school kid and you're wanting to build muscle, you still need time to build up your connective tissue to yep, be able tissue to, to, to… Tissue quality. Mm-hmm. before you can go train yeah. to failure or you're looking for injury at the, yeah. at the start of that. It, it's um, going to shut you down. Yeah. Exactly, right? So, I think on the other end too is in, why I think we go back to… Yes, you cannot… It's not only you build muscle in the rep range of 6 to 12, but why I still like that range 6 to 12, 8 to 12 is because I find that's a nuanced range of it's heavy enough so people can feel some load, feel some stimulus but it gets rid of some of the variability of like these higher rep ranges of are they actually working hard right cuz it's funny in our group classes sometimes are are more beginning group classes here when we go drop down sometimes we'll drop down to 5 reps and a lot of times the lot of the participants are like oh this is such an easier workout no. and i'm pushing them of like i could do one rep because i'm an experienced lifter and be completely gassed drained worked mm-hmm. right but they think, oh, it's five reps, it's easier. Oh, it's a little bit heavier than I was working, but they're not working close to failure or to a level that is going to recruit any kind of adaptation. So I think that's where you find, okay, that six to 12 rep range, it's not just that that's the magical rep range that builds muscle and these other ones don't. It's generally kind of more foolproof working around all these nuances, right? Uh,
0: uh, Absolutely. I mean, you just nailed it. That is a really great example because what that does is it really articulates the disconnect between people understanding what these fundamentals of resistance training and progressive overload actually look and feel like, mm-hmm. you know, what is intensity, volume, frequency? Um, how do I adjust those, those things? Like what, you know, in terms of total volume to total intensity, what does that mean? Cause that's what we're talking about. There our total volume of work in our, in our, uh, in that, that workout, or, or sorry, those group workouts, where mm-hmm. we're dumping things down to five reps is much less. So that means you should be working Way fucking harder yes. during that time right yeah. increasing intensity and again for a lot of people listening they're going, yeah, duh yeah, but people don't get that yeah, and no. so you just give them five reps on a on a te- workout template or they see they pull that off the internet or they purchase this program whatever and they don't understand how to apply those five reps or what the nuance of, as you put it so many times in between there is like what should they be doing what should they be feeling how hard should they be working and how do they know if they're working hard enough? That's where things get lost. Mm-hmm. And so we take these studies as like you're saying, and we just go, oh, here's the answer. People just want to know what the end state's going to be. If I just do this, then it equates to this. No, you're leaving out tons and tons and tons of stuff, right? And again, we can call it nuance. We can call it science. Um, we can call it facts, you know, whatever. We can call it some antidotes, even, you know, if you start to dig into there a little bit. The bottom line is they don't, they're not making that connection. All they're seeing and hearing is, is like, oh, go to at or near failure. But what is that, right? Mm -hmm. And anytime you're training or even talking about training at or near failure, you have to also be talking about what is recovery? Mm -hmm. How long do I rest in between in order to be able to go back to that again in the same workout? Or in the same training cycle so that I can maximize the benefit of what it is that I'm doing. So we we, we, we use this, you know, kind of this um, mantra of give yourself the, the, the minimum effective dose to get the maximum effect of what it is that you're trying to do. The maximum result. People don't understand what that is. And again, like again, that, that relationship between I've done this. I've, I know I've worked this hard. I can measure that right? I've tracked it. I understand what that is. I also know it takes me this long to recover in order to perform that again, to get at or near that same level in the same workout. And then I also have my my workout organized enough to where I have enough time and I've organized my nutrition in that time. I've organized my sleep in that time, my stress management in that time, my supplementation in that time. All of those things have happened in that time in order so that I can revisit similar or different movement patterns or intensity levels for that same same muscle group. Right? We used the squat as an example earlier to be able to hit that again and still get the training effect that I'm looking for, which is take it a little bit above threshold, then give it some time so that it recovers back beyond where threshold was before and we constantly go through this progression so people don't understand what the progression is. What progression really means. Progression doesn't mean just go in and throw more weight on the bar every time. And, or if I can just do a couple more reps with the same weight than I did last time. Yes, that is true. That is a way to progress things, but you're, it's, I mean, you're barely scratching the surface with all the other things that, that come to that. And you mentioned a big one, which I guarantee is going to pop up like this Sam Sula kid. Um, man, Like, I just look at this guy and like, he's young and he's resilient and he's got lots of stuff on board to help him out, Mm. you know, with being that way. But I'm just going, man, those joints, connective tissue and everything else. I'm not saying he's, you know, he shouldn't do this or he's going to be an old man, you know, before his time, whatever. I'm just saying, my gut's telling me, my Mm. experience tells me like... You're asking for it, dude. Yeah. Like there's, At some there's, point. There's yeah. a lot going on yeah. there. By the way, it's really God, what does so his insides look like? What is, how does his guts feel every oh, day after eating that stuff? I watch him going through the grocery store. I'm like,
2: Jesus, man. Walking through the
0: grocery store, by the way,
2: panting by yeah. half the time. Can <laughs> hardly catches
0: breath. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting to watch it happen in that phenomenon. But what the, the, the blanks people will go to in order to get there.
1: Right. You know, I'm sitting here listening to the conversation and, you know, one of the things that's popping into my mind is the fact that you know you have to be so in tune with what you're doing why you're doing it how you're feeling during and then how you're feeling after in order to really understand i think all the intricacies and nuance to training and programming and there really is a lot and i think you know we're talking about young people at 18 20 i mean you even just said i think it was in in your later 20s and that you didn't really fully appreciate or really understand how all of those things came together mm-hmm. and you know i it's 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 a lot it really is a lot it's and true. i think that you know anybody that's coming into this or anybody that who who has been in it but still is younger as far as their training age, it's going to take some time and it's going to take some patience and it's going to take some trial and error. And I think, again, it goes back to uh, tracking. It goes back to awareness. It goes back to what are you doing and why are you doing it?
0: Yeah, yeah It's it, it takes experience and there's there's time and you, you got to go through the thing, right? You have to do it long enough and get into an organized program and not program hop. I just had my friend Johnny on uh, a couple of weeks back. He's an active special forces operator, dude, uh, and we talked about the fitness aspect, the basically the selection process. And, you know, having to get fit for that, what that really meant, how he did it, uh, where he went to get his programming, and then how he continues to stay healthy and stay fit in his current job, as is, is tough as it is. And the reason I bring that up is because. What he had, what he learned along the way, because he got in this a little later in the game than most people do, in a much different way. It's really interesting episode if you if you haven't listened to that, just how he got to where he's at, at the unity's at. It's way different than any uh, any pathway I've heard or that you would typically hear. The the point of that is, is, he was very mature in his approach to training himself, and and he purchased programming from somebody that. That's what they do. They prepare people for the selection process and his experience with other guys, like in his own process and kind of watching them program hop and not staying in things very long at all because they were going off feelings. Right. And like, Oh, it's not working for me. But his point was was like, how do you know it's not working for you? You haven't done it Mm -hmm. yet. You haven't even done the thing yet. Like you're, you haven't gone down the path long enough to understand whether it works or not. You're making an emotional decision or you're getting squirreled. You know, you're just yeah. you're being distracted by something else, which is eliciting a feeling in, a, in this knee-jerk reaction. I go back to what I said. Our buddy Mike Patenza, the Golden State Warriors, is not knee-jerk reacting to anything that's yeah. coming out on Instagram right now. He's going to look at it. and He's going to be aware of it, but he's not changing Steph Curry's strength and conditioning mm-hmm. program. No, based on this type. You're of talking shit. about
1: million-dollar athletes. Yeah, no, no. you on, don't want to blow man. them up. Plus, he's smarter or else you're blowing than you. Job.
2: Wait, he's a brilliant dude. Yeah. And we could take this any direction with anything in health and fitness, or anything. Honestly, anything science related, but of not taking a few things, uh, a few studies that come up that can support anything that there might be some truth to, but it shouldn't throw everything out with the bathwater, right? That's yeah. how you say it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, that it shouldn't change your whole training protocol. It shouldn't change. Right. It shouldn't One, it shouldn't change the other data that's there, right? There's still nuance and there can be truth to other things. But then true, um, another part of this is it shouldn't get rid of experience. It shouldn't get rid of things that, yes, maybe the data is pointing to this and I should listen to that. I should be aware but there, I my experience tells me that I know that maybe training individuals, I think there's I've seen a lot of success training them this way, or mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of success training this person this way. And it's not just, hey, this one study that comes out is dictating everything I do as a coach or as someone getting into the health and fitness space as you know, a participant. A, a client or something. Yeah, yeah. So
0: yeah, I think it's a really good point. I think that's, you know, when we put together our programs, is one of the things we were thinking about, like our, our online type stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's easy for us to do it here. We're in front of the people. Right, we literally have hands-on with our clients, and so the programming piece just makes a lot of sense. And clients don't have to worry about it because we're literally walking them through it, and then giving them the homework when they walk out the door, uh, both physically and verbally, and all of those things. You know, when we started to explore more of the online stuff, we're like, "Look, how are we going to help people? Because I can write them a workout, but it won't mean anything, and it won't—they won't get the the benefit of this if they don't understand the nuance and the things in between. How do I do that for that participant who wants to learn, but? also doesn't have a background in you know exercise physiology biomechanics functional anatomy any of that stuff how do i do it without boring them but also educate them so as they go through any program they go through going going down the down the route or see stuff come up on the interweb or wherever else, they can relate to it and to their own training program. And so that took a little bit more work and cost us a little bit more money to kind of put the, the content together on that. But that's where like Strong and Max come in because these are these periodized programs. When I say you haven't been in it long enough to understand anything, they're literally like four months long. Mm-hmm. There's a drop in the bucket in terms of your like your fitness journey mm-hmm. and it's a very small investment of time when you really think about it. If you think of the longer term, if you're like, look, I've been program hopping or I've been doing these things for a while. I'm not really liking the result I'm getting, or I'm not getting what I think I should be getting, or I think I need a little bit more education so that I can get more out of what I want to do and what I'm currently doing or want to do in the future. That's really how those programs were sort of put together. And you know, that's why I really that's what I probably the thing that I'm most proud of in those in those those programs. It's not the workout itself. Just take mm-hmm. all the shit in between, and you can apply it to your own workout. Mm-hmm. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, I mean, the workout templates and workout templates. This is not hard to do. Yeah. It's movement patterns, right? It's just put some things together, put it, make it, put it in a way that's sort of accessible to people. You know, if they don't have a lot of equipment, you know, like here's some basic stuff you can do. But that's where that's where Strong and Max came in in terms of that periodization and teaching people the things they need to know about RIR RPE. Mm-hmm. P-R-E, right? Uh, Rest and recovery and that subjective and how to measure the subjective and objective data to make decisions about your own training program going forward. So when this shit hits you in the face, like what we're saying, we're talking about with the internet, like right now, they're like, where does this fit into what I already know? Not only just in general about as a participant, but as an active participant in my own program.
1: Well, I was just going to say as far as Strong and Max, I I think more uh, people that I've talked to that have gone through Strong, they've gone through Strong a couple different times as well because Mm. of the nuance, because of the inner workings of the program that the first time they've gone through it, they understand and then they go through it again and they're still building upon what they built upon the first time. Mm. So, I mean, I've talked to two or three people that have gone through it two or three times and then they've moved on to... And then yeah, he got on the mat. So, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I
0: know. Yeah, he did. And you know, I think you, you may have been irritated with me because I pushed you to keep <laughs> doing it. Like this is like kind of a full disclosure. Like I really pushed Ryan. So I thought, look, man, I really want you to go through this program. Mm-hmm. Keep keep going through it. Not because he didn't know what he was doing. That's ridiculous. Because I really wanted him to feel what we were trying to put out there, so that he could articulate it better. And also, I knew it would have helped based on what I knew about his history. I really felt like it was going to help him in his journey, so that he could then apply what he already knew, even, even that much more. And it's not that the the program did that for him. It was him staying inside a program mm-hmm. long enough to understand for himself what worked best for him to then be able to like articulate it or whatever else to somebody. And maybe you want to talk to that experience. I mean, that's, that, that was kind of my push. I go, I think Ryan's going to really benefit this if we can just keep him in it yeah. long enough because you had been program hopping for yes. a long time.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, for myself, I'm honestly pretty ADD in general. So I, um, you know, I get really into something then I get really into something else. So when I apply it to my training, that was hard for me for a long time of just doing random movements that, movements that felt good. Even though, again, I knew these nuances and I applied them a lot to my clients. I didn't always apply it to myself. So I feel like in these past few years, probably past four or five years of my training history, and then definitely since I've been here with you guys, of my patience in my training blocks, my patience in feeling out, what I'm trying to accomplish in the movements, letting settling into a program. And then I can know that I'm going to ramp up. I'm going to work once I get more of a feeling. Um, has changed a lot. Not just in my, honestly, my my training, um, uh, uh, how I implement it. But honestly, a lot of my patients as a person, as a human, as a husband, as... Um, mm-hmm. That things can take time. I don't need to rush to the end result. I don't need to rush to get through this program or go to the next thing or get to this number. I know that if I just keep my head down and slowly stick with it, that I'm going to get to the results that I want. I just have to trust the process. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people, especially when you're young, you know, you're so amped up on all this, these hormones, these, and ready to go and and want to take on life that you're so eager to get to this end result. But keeping patience in your training. Um, And again, it's a good life lesson for keeping patience of just keeping your head down, trusting the process, not needing to get to where this person who's been training for 10, 15, 20 years Mm -hmm. where they're at, especially by um, starting it with all that's around of PEDs and things like that, running to that too soon. But having patience, trusting that you're learning how to move, learning how to build muscle, learning the nuances, being okay with making some mistakes, growing from those mistakes, and applying that to your own training and then the rest of your life. I think that's where a program like that really teaches you.
0: So, I, I could not agree. With, I mean, that was an excellent explanation. I think, you know, for those people that really dig into the training side of things, they're not only ADD but they're also OCD. Mm-hmm. And you know, to some extent, I mean, we all are about our own programs to yeah. to 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 an extent. And that in in this case, it's 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 helpful, you know, because you you can't that not so much the ADD when it's early on, but mm-hmm. once you start to learn about what all the things that you just said, it just Like having that plan in front of you just makes sense. Like I don't have to think about it. I trust it. And I know like if I just do this, let me just get through today because tomorrow will be there when I get there, right? But if I get through this today and I do it in this way, it sets me up for tomorrow. It sets me up for the next day and it's there and I can see it out in front of me. And so if I ever have any question, about, like, what the hell am I doing and why am I doing it? Like you can look in the past and go, oh, that's where I was over there. And here's where I am now. And I can look forward and go, you know what? If I just keep doing this, it's highly likely because I remember two months ago when I started here, I was really anxious or mm-hmm. really like, you know, just like ADD. Like, yes. I this is not working or it's yes. not hard enough. Mm-hmm. And so going back to like even what we were saying before, I mean, like those programs, any program, like specifically as it comes to strength and hypertrophy, you should be looking at that, you know, again, how it's put together. And it takes time to do this, like build skill, right? Yes. Build strength, build capacity or, sorry, build strength, then or uh, build some hypertrophy, then build more strength or some capacity at the yeah. same time, and then really push your strength. And that guess what? Go back to the beginning. Yes. Work on your skills again, yeah. right? And then get into, hey, let's build some muscle, right? Some some hypertrophy, some really basic shit. Basic shit. Like, right? then let's build a little strength and capacity, and then this really push mm-hmm. the strength based on the new muscle, the new capacity, and the improved skill that we have. I mean, it really is a basic formula, mm-hmm. uh, but it just gets bastardized so many times again with the program hopping if you don't stay there long enough you never get to reap the rewards of the work you're you're putting in yeah so i you, you, two word takeaways today i think one is the, the one that you just said which is patience so important and then the second one is is don't like distraction don't yep. don't be distracted by this stuff uh look pay attention to it i mean it's we're gonna see some other interesting things it'll it'll drive some other studies and some other you know conversation around it and i love that 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 happens but it also bothers me when i see people get distracted like you say just completely scrap what they're doing or Mm -hmm. move on jump on to the new the new train so yeah just don't do that yes thank you for tuning into this episode of iron sights if you enjoyed our conversation you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button leaving a review and sharing the podcast with a friend i'll see you on the next episode